we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Isn't that awesome how, like, when we come into the spirit, don't you want to understand spiritual gifts? Because spiritual gifts have an assignment, okay? And the best way to teach spiritual gifts is to teach you the worship chart. We've talked about how the spirit and the soul have to engage and become one. We talked about how you have to shut the doors so that the awareness of grace can start building in you because it's through the awareness of grace that things get broken off. It's through the awareness of grace our mindset changes. In fact, the Lord really put this in my heart. He said, only grace can help us enter into his power to change us. Now I'm going to throw something out. So why do we have grace? Why do we want his grace? Because it's the only power that is going to change us. And so we have to build up the virtue of his grace in us. And the only way we can do that is by faith. Faith of doing what? Opening up our word morning and night. Faith to worship God in spirit and truth every day. If we build this relationship with him, his grace has to pour out. That means you will prosper in everything you touch. It says whatever your hand touches, you'll prosper. You will have every source of supply you need to do your assignment because you're not even going to worry about what you don't need because it doesn't have to do with your assignment. The answer's from God. He says, I will show you something before it happens. I may not understand what's going to happen, but he shows me something. And when it's happening, I have no fear because he already showed me something was going to happen. This has happened to me over and over. Why does God love his people so much that he wants to show them something before it happens? So we will not fear. We will trust him. And we know, we know that he's bringing us into a better place. So we have to build up this relationship with him that you know he's never going to lie to you. It, the word says God can't even lie to us. That doesn't mean he has to tell us everything at every moment, but he cannot lie to us. So we're building this relationship, which we've already grown up with parents that haven't told us the truth, a husband or wife that hasn't told us the truth. We've been through sisters and brothers that haven't told us the truth, friends in school that haven't told us the truth. So we're having to really build a very supernatural relationship when our natural instincts don't even match up. But only grace, God's grace through Jesus, enters in so we can get to that place. So when you look at the worship chart, you see the three heavens. The first heaven is where we stand on earth. The second heaven is the principalities and darkness of Satan. And the third heaven is where God dwells so we can get the real answers. But you can't even get there until Jesus comes down and does what? Sanctifies your soul. So here, this person has all the power in them, but they're not getting anything from the third heaven. In fact, it's a hit and miss. They're hearing more things from the second heaven. And this is why we got to know what is the purpose of spiritual gifts. I love intertwining spiritual gifts with this poster. It says the Lord has established his what? Throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. I trust the third heaven. I trust anything I see in the third heaven, anything I hear in the third heaven, everything I experience in the third heaven. But how do I know I made it to the third heaven? Because Satan comes like an, he comes like a light. 
because he wants to still kill and destroy whatever God is in you and whatever God you've experienced with him. And see, that's why it says nobody can get to the father except for through the son. So here is the Lord in heaven. He's sitting on the right hand of the father. Everything we need, our rivers flow out of the heavens, but heaven has to meet earth. We're the earthly vessel that carries the spirit. So I got to get the real heaven to match up the spirit in me and to penetrate itself in my soul so I can do what he wants me to do, not what the world wants us to do. This is really important for us to understand this vision because the first helper we have to hold hands with is the Holy Spirit. If none of us knows the Holy Spirit, we can't even be sanctified by Jesus. We have to be what? Filled with the Spirit. Give me Isaiah 66.1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? Okay, God's rest is in our spirit, but he really wants to rest in our soul. So we're standing on earth and now I've actually got to build a house to the third heaven. I have to build a house to the third heaven. So I have to learn how to build a house that has a foundation, that has a wall, and a house that does not have a ceiling. I have to keep building the floors and the skyscraper of my house. Isn't it amazing that in the word, when they talked about the Tower of Babel, the people came together and they were building a tower that had no end in its floors. Everybody's kind of seen a picture, right? That is really what we're to be building in the spirit. We have to be building it from the earth, which is his footstool. It's a spiritual house that we have to build. There is no church that can survive the building of the world unless it's built in the spirit first. I've got to build this in the spirit and I'm not building it with natural resources. I've got to build it with the people of God who see it and they've seen that building. It's amazing how many people come in here. I saw that in a dream. Okay. So that means you're connected somehow. When they talked about the Tower of Babel, what was happening is the people were seeing something that was true, but it really, they were trying to build it in the natural and they made building the Tower of Babel their God. Why were they building and why, why was the momentum building so great for them to build it? And they were going to keep building. There's no top because they were going to keep building until they reached the heavens. Now, come on. I look at the spirit and the soul. When the spirit and the soul become one, remember I told you, and all the doors shut, the permeation starts to what? Rise. As it's rising, it starts swirling. Awareness of grace is starting to swirl in the locked chambers. And you're building a tower to heaven so that you can see and know exactly what God is doing in your life. What we do is we get started to build the house. By what? Accepting Christ in our heart. We get filled with the spirit once. You know what I mean? We have that, I felt the breath come in. I felt it go out. You know, I'm filled with the spirit. We start activating spiritual gifts 
right? And then what happens? We lose our first love. We pull away. We still know those gifts work in us, prophecy, faith, tongues, and all this stuff, but we're not getting anywhere. How many people have felt so tired out because their gifts are activated and they're growing and they're trying to, they know they're building something, but you don't even know what you're really building. The thing is, we have to build a house to the third heaven, but we're doing it in the spirit. So I love that the story of the Tower of Babel, because all those people, they were of one mind, they were of one thought, they were of one purpose, and they were all of one language. God was so disappointed that now the Tower of Babel, the building became their God, and they lost sight of the true God. So what did God do? He came down and he dispersed tongues on them. He made it where they all, all different languages got created at that time so that they could not unify greater than God. Isn't that awesome? They actually, languages, different languages were imparted into the people so that they didn't unify themselves greater than God. He did it so they would have to now, they had a barrier between them. So if we started building something and did a great job, but it became our God instead of God, God can break anything that gets exalted higher than God. Okay. So back then, I believe God was giving us a visual. He gave us a tower of Babel to show us how are we to build this tower that we're getting in this. You ever hear people call it a column? You like getting this column and you know, you're sucked up into the third heaven, but we have to build this place where we can go up and down up and down, just like the angels. So we're not missing it. And the more we live in the third heaven, we know when the second heaven's lying to us. We know when the, the enemy comes like a light because he's trying to mask the true light we're really to enter into. The first thing we have to do is recognize each of us are called to build a house to the third heaven. And we know on the way to the third heaven, we're going to hit the second heaven. It's guaranteed. Nobody gets, in this case, nobody gets the fast pass. We have to build. So give me again, Isaiah 66, 1. It says, heaven is my throne. This is what the Lord is telling us. But you, earth, you are my footstool. Do you know, can you imagine God, the Lord walking in heaven. And here's his foot. One foot moves only because one of us moved in him. His next foot moved. Okay, come on. We want Christ to come. Well, they say he's standing now, but his foot hasn't what? Moved. Because we, the body, are his footstool here on earth. And he is waiting to come and bring the new earth, bring everything new to us. So he said, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is that place of my rest? When the right number tallies in, he's going to take his first step towards coming back. We already know he will come back, but he won't come back until the right amount of people the right count of the house on earth is built to him. And then it releases him to just come. And he'll never know the day. We'll never know the time. We'll never know the season. Because 
we don't know what that count number is. Only God will know. He doesn't even know. And I think it's powerful. We have to be a part of the house. That means if I am saved and I am full of the Spirit, then I have a job. I'm a laborer to build the house. And how do I labor to build the house? I get everybody else in relationship with him. And I don't worry on the job site with what happens. My job is to get everybody sucked up into building this house because each one of us has a part in the house and that house is going to make it so we just go up and down so we can survive on this earth until his coming back. And there's a place that he wants us to hit. Give me Psalms 148, 13. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is what? Exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. And he's talking about the first heaven. Okay, so he tells us the first thing we have to do to build. We have to do what? We got to praise. That doesn't mean I'm setting an hour aside to praise God. Yes, that's one way. When you get in your car tonight, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you. The word exaltation. You could just say, I exalt you above everything in my life. I exalt you above my marriage. I exalt you above my car. I exalt you. I bless you in everything. Now we're starting to build. Okay. So when we start to praise God and we start to stay focused that I'm building this house, but I'm going to hit what? The second heaven. Now, this is when we have to come into our first agreement. I have to come into agreement with who? The Holy Spirit. I can be looking unto Jesus but now I need the Holy Spirit. You all looking at this chart, right? We can't even get to the third heaven until I connect with the gifts of who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's gifts, and this is where the church, and I'm, I'm going to say the church in systems have missed something. They believed once they hit the gifts, they've arrived. They master the gifts of the Holy Spirit when the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has one job. His one job is to give us gifts to reveal the Son. But that doesn't mean we made it to the third heaven. This is where, I mean, you have to know I came from a dead church. And then I came into this revelation. Now I go out to other churches. People think once they hit and start speaking in tongues or whatever, they think they what? Arrived. And that's not the case. It's a gift that is supposed to help you break the elements of the second heaven. So Jesus can be revealed. So now I'm going to read out what those gifts are. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but I'm going to read the highlights for you. So remember, the first gifts that we experience are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The moment we start to praise God, all of a sudden, we are opening up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we have to say, I start this out, I start my worship. I say, thank you, Lord God for your son, Jesus Christ. I say, thank you, Lord God, for giving me the Holy Spirit that you gave your son while he walked on this earth to help him. So Lord, I need your help. I need you, Holy Spirit. That is a person. His job is to help me every day. Not help me just in my time of need. Not help me when I can't figure it out. He needs to help me every day. We have to invite the Holy Spirit in every day. And this is what the Holy Spirit's job is. One, 
He is to give you a word of wisdom, the Holy Spirit. Now, all these gifts will not be activated all at the same time. You have to know while you're praising God, while you're trying to break through the second heaven, you can get a word of wisdom. Remember, the second heaven is only attached to your lack. The second heaven only has connected to your soul. He can't connect to your spirit. He can only connect to your mind and your flesh in your lack. Your lack is what you don't know about Jesus. Okay? So, a word of wisdom is a supernatural perspective to a divine means for accomplishing God's will in a given situation. So, you start praising God, and all of a sudden, you can be praising God, and you're really praising God because you love Him, but yet you have this other problem. In your, in your world, what job shall I take? Who should I marry? What bills should I pay first? I don't know, right? But you got problems. I, I don't feel good. Whatever it is, you put out your problems, you start praising God, and then all of a sudden, you could hear a word of wisdom. Start eating jelly. Something so simple. Did I just hear start eating jelly? Do you get what I'm saying? And then all day long, you can't get jelly out of your mind. You can't get jelly out of your mind. That was one word of a wisdom that connects to an area of lack in your life. Do you know what I mean? And so you start eating what? Jelly. And all of a sudden, whatever that weird hiccups it could be. I'm being silly right now. You could have like a mass attack of hiccups every day and you don't like it. And you, you tell God about it. But then when you start praising him and worshiping him, all of a sudden, you might hear an instruction like, eat jelly. I'm being very basic to help you understand that a word of wisdom comes when we're praising and we're pressing in. It's not always when we get to the, when we get to the third heaven, that's to get to the real stuff. But there are stuff in the second heaven, sickness, strife. The enemy has these things working around you. And they're working around your head so you don't break through to what the Father really wants to tell you, to how the Father really wants to use you. You will never know until the Holy Spirit does what? Helps you with one, a word of wisdom, a perspective, something. He gives you something. Number two, sometimes he gives us a word of knowledge. It's a supernatural revelation of the divine will and plan of God. That could be telling you, Wisdom tells you what to do. A word of knowledge tells you why you're doing it, which is the plan. Number three, while you're praising God and you're in agreement with the Holy Spirit, he can give you a word of wisdom. He can give you a word of knowledge and he can also build your faith. Faith is a supernatural ability to believe God. So do you believe we're praising God, but there are areas we don't believe him? So in the area he's ready to move in your life, he'll make you start to what? Believe. Faith is also a gift of the Father, but it's two different gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you the faith to break darkness, gives you the word of wisdom to break darkness. The Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge to break darkness. It's not a fortune-telling business. The Holy Spirit is not into being your fortune teller. Because a fortune teller tells you what you don't know, but you want to know. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal to you something to help you get the awareness so God can speak to you. The word of wisdom 
is it gives you something, a perspective. It gives you an idea. It gives you a, something to accomplish God's will in a given situation. So if you're sick, that's why I use sickness. And you have like this mass attack of hiccups every day. And God tells you to drink orange juice or eat jelly. That would be a word of wisdom, something to do in a given situation. And its job is to kill something so you can receive from God. I mean, I think this is so deep I, because I feel like we have gotten into, not us, when I say we, I say collectively as children of God, we have gotten into wanting the easy answers. We'll go from ministry to ministry to ministry to ministry to get prophecies because we're treating it like a fortune teller and not out of relationship. If God wants, to, God wants to give us words of wisdom and words of knowledge to break darkness, get it? To break something that's trying to hold us back from the third heaven. See, I think this is really deep. I don't need the Holy Spirit when I'm up in the third heaven. I don't need prophecy. And when I am in his fullness of presence, doesn't mean I've experienced everything heaven has to offer, but I don't need the gifts to get there because they already got me there. The church has only got to hear. That doesn't mean they don't hear things from God. It's like a trickle and we do it hit and miss. And then we watch amazing gifts manifest out of people. And then now we put them on a platform, but we never broke the second heaven to get it ourselves. Do you see what I'm saying? First, our gifts are for us. Then our gifts, now get this. Now, if a word of wisdom comes to me, it may not be for me to break through. The th it might be to help you break through. God can give me a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. He could give me enough faith to do so many things to help other people. That's the point where I've gotten in my life, where the gifts of the Spirit are for me to help pull other people in because I know how to enter in now. I don't want to always depend on those gifts. I want to just know how to enter in and I enter in. Okay, but it gets better. A word of knowledge is not going to be telling you your future. But what is being said has to do with your future. Do you see how like the psychics and the, let me look into the crystal ball, the clairvoyant people is because they get stuck in the second heaven, which there is a measure of truth in the second heaven. But if you're not dealt with in unforgiveness, shame and rejection, we can easily get in the wrong vein. God wants us to trust him as he raises us up because we're going to make mistakes in confusing what the gifts are about. Gifts of healing. A gift of healing is supernatural healing without human aid. That means somebody could be sick and we could be worshiping God and God wants to really touch that person, but God can't touch them until the sickness is gone. And God could say to us, come and lay your hands. Do you know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit will break a sickness so they can experience another level of God. Do you understand how gifts are important? When we enter in and praise God, we're building a house. But in building the house, we have to break the weaknesses that are in us, which are pride, strife, unforgiveness, rebellion. All these things can't go into the third heaven. They can't go into the third heaven. We only touch God in the measure that we've been processed. None of us ever gets completely perfect. So has everybody here touched the third heaven? Yes, but not to the fullness that you could. Because if you have anything that deals with unforgiveness, shame, or rejection, then we're, we're holding something back. But that's part of what he said. It would be a what? 
a process. So we always need these gifts. We always need these gifts. Working miracles. Come on, the greatest miracle of the Holy Spirit is when somebody gets touched and then accepts Christ in their heart. A miracle used by and through the Holy Spirit breaks something in that person to receive Jesus Christ. The most miracles you see in the Bible that happen to somebody is usually to an unbeliever. Can we have miracles as believers? Absolutely. But where do you see the highest count? Amongst the unbelievers. That's why evangelists carry the gift, a high gift of miracles, because it's going to take somebody a miracle to believe that God wants to enter in and have his son dwell with him. It's a grace. Prophecy. Prophecy is a divine inspired utterance. It's a manifestation of God's spirit, not your intellect. How many people have been worshiping? They're praising God. And then all of a sudden you say something and you don't even know why you said it. It doesn't have to do with anything that you're talking about. But yet it was divinely inspired by God and it gets called forth so something can be broken of darkness. Isn't that awesome? Miracles, instant. I believe healing takes longer. It's a process. So I believe that unbelievers experience like, boom, touch, oh, arm healed. Oh my God, I believe in Jesus. I, I'm glorifying Jesus. Us as believers who believe in Jesus, God says, now your miracles of deliverance and healing are going to be through relationship, which doesn't mean he still doesn't touch us. He still doesn't give us a miracle, but it's not like the miracle that brings upon the fullness of receiving salvation for the first time. That is the greatest miracle. There is no other miracle. Come on. When we've all laid in bed and accepted him in our heart or had an experience, and when we got filled with the Holy Spirit, we were in our, ah, now I know he fills me. So is it still a great experience when I experience? Yes. Does it still make me glorify God? Yes. But I know how to relate to it. I know how to work it. I know how to get there. So now it's kind of funny. Okay, let me finish this. Discerning spirits. I love this one. It's a supernatural power to detect the realm of spirits and their activities and a revelation of plans and purposes of the enemy. Let me tell you something. I've had this. This is one of the strongest gifts. We're strong in one of these. Everybody is strong. We, I have them all, but they all don't manifest at the same time. But the first one that always manifests for me is discerning spirits, even when I was little. But now God shows them to me so I can speak to them and not a person. This is what I love. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to help you break the second heaven. You may not have experienced all the gifts yet, because why? You don't need that gift yet. You get what I'm saying? You don't need that gift yet. That's why I don't care if somebody speaks in tongues or they don't. Because we've made tongues a God. When tongues is a gift, to break your pride, your anger, so you can go to the next level. This is where we think that I start speaking in tongues, and then you think everything you hear is immediately from the third heaven. That's not necessarily the case. Tongues has different purposes. The first purpose is to break your foul ground. It is an angelic language that nobody can mess with. And so the first thing he does is he breaks us down with it. It breaks us. Then as we mature, it actually becomes a place of rest where when we speak in tongues, don't you feel great after you speak in tongues? When you pray and you speak in tongues and then you feel very what? 
rested. Things don't bother you. It gets you into a realm to get to the next what? Level. Then there is the interpretation of tongues. Because the third thing of tongues is you'll actually speak another language. You can be in a strange place and they could be speaking another language and God can give you that language with interpretation. You can even interpret other tongues all at the same time. See, God is so good because you could be in a terrible situation and he can put onto you a language you didn't even know you could speak or that person will understand everything you're saying like you're the interpreter. And so we have to remember it's a power, a power to reveal the meaning of tongues. Tongues are an utterance in language unknown to you. And it serves as evidence and a sign that the spirit is working in you to break the darkness in your soul. Bottom line is God created all languages and there is a language of heaven and it's called the, the angelic tongues. The angelic tongues are spoken to help break what's in you because when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to pray, they pray because they know you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say and then tongues break out and it's the mysteries of God's being spoken because you don't understand them. So if you're going to use your mouth, they're going to speak for you. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So you don't mess something up and then it starts breaking your understanding. It tills the soul the rough ground for you to receive what you're going to get from the third heaven. So I thank God that all these Holy Spirit gifts are in alignment to break darkness so that now Jesus can come with his word and you can understand it. I feel like the church gets stuck in the second heaven and they don't know they're getting stuck in the second heaven because the word says that God gave out the gifts of the Holy Spirit and not one man can manifest them all at one time. Impossible. He gave it to a body. God gave each of us to choose to be saved or not. But he gave us as a team, as a body, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To operate as a body. He would never manifest all the nine gifts out of me. I'm sorry. Let's say a lost person walks in the door. Immediately. One could have great faith to bring that person into salvation. Another one starts praying in tongues, breaking the second heaven from stopping this person's salvation. Another person could speak another language. And then another person starts speaking their language. Then another person starts interpreting it. Then there could be words of knowledge. Hey, your mother just abandoned you. Get it? All of it is to be used to bring somebody in to the kingdom but they have to break the darkness around that person. And part of breaking the darkness is you have to get that person to believe. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are first for us to believe, but then they're for the unbeliever to bring them into the kingdom. Come on, I never even heard of prophecy. And when I heard prophecy, the prophet called me and said, you don't believe prophecy. He was saying what I was thinking. I was like, okay, God's speaking to this guy. And he said, now I'm gonna tell you something which was a word of knowledge, and I know you'll believe now. And when that prophet told me, it broke darkness in me. It broke me so I could receive something. Give me Mark 16, 13. I really want to show you this. Because if we don't realize, God never made it where one man was going to do it all. That's why I don't care about anybody's gifts. How do I know you're full of the Spirit? 
you're being changed. You're being able to receive the word and that word is changing you. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. I could care less about tongues. I could care less about prophecy. I need to see that you are being changed because if we're not being changed, you're not full of spirit because only the spirit can change you. We can't read a good book and change ourselves. The spirit changes you in every step that he needs changed for every year of your life. You either take it or you turn away from it. Mark 16, 13. And they went and they told him the rest, but they, they did not believe them either. Go to the next one. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Give me 16, 17, 18. It says he, is that singular or multiple? No, he. Okay, if he or her who believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But he, singular, who does not believe will be, okay, so bottom line, we have to do what? We have to believe. Each individual person has to believe. I don't need to be around 10 people and I'm one believer and they're not. No, I have to what? Believe. Next verse. It says, and these signs will follow those. It didn't say these signs will follow he. Those, that means there's going to be a what? A multiple body of believers. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. It didn't say he will. It said they will speak with what? New tongues means all tongues. Means angelic. Means tongues of another language. Whatever the purpose of tongue also means sound. So you could actually start speaking the scripture with power. And that's a new what? Tongue. So it can be angelic tongues. It can be the power of the word expressed. New tongue can also mean diverse tongues, which means speaking different languages. I wanted to read that because I wanted you to know. Now, if you really study tongues, which I could do a whole lesson on this, is it supposed to break your pride? <laughs> it's supposed to put you in a rest. It's supposed to break what you don't understand. When the Spirit fills us, you're not prideful. When the Spirit, when you feel the infilling, it's something's taken over your body. And it's putting you into his rest. Tongues is so important. It's a great gift. But it's not the gift that's being betrayed. It's to break down so you can break darkness and receive from God. But if you're just speaking tongues and you're now all prideful, God is a God who does what? Humbles us. He humbles us to receive his truth. Then the truth changes us. Okay, so it says, this is what's such a key thing. The gift is in all of us, but the enemy can usurp it. Now, I really want us to think about it. Do you know everybody that's come in here, they have told us their tongues have changed? Because I have the gift, I can be a lot around a lot of people with the gift. And that gift can activate. So the enemy, the enemy can give a word of knowledge. The enemy can give his wisdom. The enemy can give you false faith. Don't you get this? The enemy can give you false of everything the Holy Spirit gives. But how do you know the difference? How do you weigh the scales? The one is, he said, not, it says in Corinthians, not all the gifts will manifest out of you at the same time. So I can't be doing it all at the same time. Okay? Uh, you get what I'm saying? Because that's not what he said. He said, he said, those, 
He said, they, that means as we move as a body, guess what? We cast out demons. As we move as a body in his name, we heal the sick. As we move, you know what I'm saying? Our job is to believe. So as we believe, all nine gifts can work through me, just not at one time. When you get in a room, you never know who's really not speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit's gifts are not for our magician use. The Holy Spirit gifts are to help us break darkness so we can receive Jesus, period. It's to break darkness to us to get to another level. We need to respect the gift like that. When we start respecting it as I am greater than thou because I always have a word of knowledge, who is working through me? The enemy. And it could be a true word of knowledge, but you got to be careful with what spirit is behind the spirit. Do not judge anybody's gifts. And what have we become? Judgers of the gift. We have become judges of the gift. To me, when you know it's truth, you can desire it more. Because I'm going to tell you, if you desire it in a prideful way, you'll never get it. Because God is not going to give his gift when it's not going to be used properly. And also, if you have an understanding, if there's a measure of understanding that you have, you don't need tongues to break through that understanding. Okay, but now, get this, a group of people could walk in this door right now. All six of us could break out in tongues to break an atmosphere to save them. Because still, not everybody in the room, if you are saved, then all these things can work with you if you recognize that you're part of a body. But if you're not saved, then you are condemned. But then the gifts work stronger in us to bring them into the kingdom. And the ultimate thing that God is trying to prepare in us is to build a house to him first. He could care less if I go into a ministry and speak in tongues and interpret it and everything. But if I haven't built a relationship with him, that means there's no love and those tongues mean nothing. Do you know how he talked in Corinthians? You can do this. You can prophesy. You can speak in tongues. You can do all this. But if there is no what? Love. Then it is like a clanging symbol. What I'm trying to say is there is a new tongue. There is a new sound. But it only comes out of building a house into the third heaven. Everybody in here has been into the third heaven in a measure, but we have to get the straw thicker. Do you know what I'm saying? This person, the baby Christian, the person on the first row, they start praising, boom, what should happen? Gifts need to start activating. What gifts? I need the Holy Spirit gifts. And then as they start activating, we get excited when we see people activated because why? We know God's doing a, a work. He's breaking darkness. When you broke what you need for this time, he now hands you over to Jesus. When you come into this ministry, you've just come into Jesus. Because we are a ministry of sanctification. Give me John 14, 26. It tells us the helper who is the Holy Spirit, whom who sends it? The Father. So we haven't gotten to the Father yet, but the Father sends the Holy Spirit in whose name? Jesus' name. He will do what? Teach you all things. Bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How does he do that? Through a word of wisdom, through a word of knowledge, through faith, through tongues, through discerning spirits, interpretation of tongues. Boom. He's going to break something because ultimately the Father sent him. And he sent him in the name of his son. 
So first he's got to break some things to now get us to his son. I want you to get excited about this because when you really understand why you have a tool belt of nine gifts, now the gifts will work more. I'm activating all the gifts in you now. I'm activating faith in Jesus' name. I'm activating tongues in Jesus' name. I'm activating word of knowledge. I'm activating this right now that everybody after here, when you leave, you are going to have a manifestation of one of these gifts so that you can get to a different level, not so you can show it off to your ministry. Give me Psalm 67.5. Let the people do what? Praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. That means you got to keep praising. Give me the next one, 67.6. Then the earth, touch yourself, because you are the earthen vessel, shall yield her what? Increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. So that means as we praise and as the Holy Spirit gifts get activated, our earth is going to yield the increase of the Spirit so that we can know Him. See, ultimately, the only reason God brought the Holy Spirit is so we would bless Him. He's trying to increase this so we'll bless, we will bless Him by people seeing our change. And then, how do we bless him then? After we get changed, our gift is used to help another. Give me Hebrews 2.11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all what? One. We are a they. We are a they. We are a them in one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call us his brethren. But now this is what's most important. He who sanctifies, who does that? The Holy Spirit. And those who are being sanctified, the moments the gifts are activated, you now go into the realm of the sanctifier. Nobody even gets to the sun until they have the filling of the Spirit. We can receive Christ in our heart and never even open the Bible. I know I was saved. I never opened the Bible till I was 40. But I know Christ was in my heart because I would feel that little thing. But I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. So I wasn't filled with the Spirit. Why? Because I wasn't praising God. I was not seeking God. I was not pressing in and trying to enter into God because I didn't know I was supposed to. Then you start praising him and you come to a ministry like this. You start raising your hands. And then all of a sudden, I mean, my discerning spirits, because I had it, because I always had it. I was always aware of it. I didn't know what it was, but it just went crazy. I could go anywhere and see things hanging on things. I could see things coming out of people's eyes. I'm telling, I, I one time looked at this girl, nice girl, her eyes glowing demonic green. That was after I, I started worshiping because now I was worshiping. God was giving me his what? He was giving this earth the increase. Something was increasing. Something was increasing. And when you have increase, the gifts start to what? Happen. My faith increased. Things just started to go crazy. Okay, but it helped me discern the things of God because now I did what? I'm in communion with him. So now I can do what? Discern what is truth and what is not truth. I mean, I always knew when not to go into a room because I would see a dark film. And just naturally, oh, I don't want to go there. And now I know I was given that gift to protect me. 
See, the Holy Spirit, each one of you in here has special, some of you might have always spoken tongues. Some of you might have, you know what I'm saying? God gives us these things to do what? To protect us. Because one day he's going to pull us and he's going to sanctify us in these gifts. Because now it's time for us to convert into him. When people come into this ministry, they could have gone to church, done all these things. But when they come here, they meet Jesus. Because Jesus' job is to sanctify you, set you apart, so he can mature you to meet the Father. We have to get ushered into the Father. People who don't have good relationships with a Father have a hard time entering into the Father because that's we're being built so that the Father, we can be one with the Father. So there's a lot of people that experience the Holy Spirit in church, but they've never experienced the Father. They've never experienced Jesus. Give me John 4.23. So now a time will come. There's a time, not for you to get saved, but there's an appointed time when the Spirit fills you that you can receive Jesus now ready, is ready to come down. And now he's ready to pull you apart, sanctify you, consecrate you unto yourself. It says, by the hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit, that means with the Holy Spirit, and in truth. Truth is Jesus. So in spirit is your praise. In truth is now because you're going to receive the word of God. And that word is going to convict you like bad. And that word is going to change you. And then it's going to be, God says, now enter in with me. He says, we worship the Father in the Holy Spirit and in the truth of Jesus. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. That's what he's seeking. All he says in the end times, those are going to be protected are the worshipers. He doesn't care what you do for a living. He doesn't care how much money you make. Because guess what? If you are a worshiper in spirit and in truth, and the truth is, Jesus has changed you. What are the gifts of Jesus? Gifts appointed by Jesus. Can you put that one scripture back up again? I want to make sure I'm, I'm correlating a transition here. And you're doing awesome. It says, but the hour is coming and now is. There is a time when the spirit and the truth come together. It's an appointed time. Now, how do you know you have that appointed time? Everybody turn to the appointed gifts by Jesus on page eight. This is so awesome. People keep saying there's a big move of God. There's a big move of God. How many of you here? And there's a big move of God. Okay, guess what the big move of God is? Jesus. Jesus already came. Jesus has already been prostituted. But now it's time for Jesus to come and he is going to manifest himself through the true worshipers. Those are the ones who understand, why do I have gifts of the Spirit? How have I met the real Jesus? Jesus only gave the five gifts, which were apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That means Jesus is the fullness of all those in one. And he became apostolic. He was the, the apostle. He is the apostle. But now it says when it's time to meet the true Jesus, you are going to encounter one of those five gifts. So now here we go to church and we meet what? Pastors. 
We go to church. We meet evangelists. We go to church today. We meet teachers. We go to church today. Everybody's prophesying. But have we ever met true apostles? See, Jesus didn't give Gene all the gifts. He just gave Gene the apostolic gift to pull people into meeting the true Jesus. Because Jesus said, when I come, it says, I send you to a special messenger. Even when Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Lord sent him to an apostle, Aeneas. And he said, now I'm sending you to somewhere. So guess what? Apostles don't come and find you. You get led to them. Now, how many people were led in this church? I don't care how you were led, but you came through this door. We did not seek you. You get led. The Spirit leads you here. If you have to be told to come, then the enemy could be speaking to you. You just are led. The Spirit tells you. People don't tell you. People, isn't that awesome? So now you come here because the power is here to be sanctified. That's what makes us special. We have the power for you to be sanctified because it says, but the hour is what? Coming. And it now is where the true worshipers. Now you tell me wherever you were before, were you with the true worshipers? You might've been the worship with the worshipers in spirit, but were you with the worshipers in truth? Man, I go into churches now all the time because of being reared up here. You can feel that the truth is not there. And then you feel the spirit and you keep saying to yourself, but they're speaking in tongues and there are, these are good words of knowledge and they have great faith. But what's missing? Jesus. Because they never realized they had to go to the next phase. It's not their fault. There hasn't been enough of the apostles because most apostles have given up on their call. We have too many people given up on their call. And that's why the next revival of Jesus Christ is going to be the revealing of his apostles so that people will automatically get sent and then they can be really reared. This ministry here, I really do believe we're called to the United States. We're called to get pastors to come here to be taught this so they can go back out to their churches. I don't think I'm going to go around and do a big circuit. I think I'm going to have people come here, fill these seats. In fact, the best prophecy that was said to me and makes sense after I learned this was that I was called to do something in this building that would be greater than anything anybody have ever experienced. And what it was is to teach people how to be this. That is my call. I know my purpose, but I am to teach the apostolic move. And the Lord said, when you teach it, it will go right through them. And when they experience it, they will experience me. But I would never be here if I didn't yield to an apostle. They don't yield to Gene. They yield to the body, the Jesus-sanctified group. And our job is to build more teachers, more apostles, more so that they can go out and develop true worshipers. So our job is to get everybody up to the Father. And then the Father reveals what you are, who you are, and where you're going. And then God starts using you. He starts using you. An evangelist for Jesus brings them to an apostolic house. An evangelist of the Holy Spirit brings them into salvation. So there is moves to come in spirit, and then there are moves to move into truth. And then you meet the Father, and then you get sent out. He'll come to the Father, 
they'll go back to where they're from and then they change their atmosphere. People aren't supposed to stay here. It's supposed to, let's get you cleaned up. Let's get you moved out because God has a place for you. And see, we're too busy competing. The pastors won't come to us because they're too busy competing, thinking that you're trying to steal my people. There's people that have come from from ministries, but part there's a responsibility in that. The responsibility is to still love that other ministry. But then they fear us because they never met the true Jesus. They're still living in the spirit, which great. But if you live in the spirit too long without being sanctified by the true Jesus, then you become the fortune teller, the mystic, the new age Christian person, the motivational speaker, because the spirit never dies in you. Do you know what I'm saying? But he wants to kiss when righteousness and truth kiss. It's an explosion. Go ahead and give me John 4, 24. God reminds us he is a what? Spirit. So Jesus, they're all spirits. And those who will worship him must, he says it twice, worship him in spirit and in truth. The five appointed gifts have purposes. The evangelist is to draw in. The pastor is to nurture the truth, not nurture the spirit. The pastor is to nurture the truth, not the spirit. The truth is the word of God. He's not to nurture your needs. He's to nurture the truth and the needs get filled, right? And then the teacher, the teacher's job is to teach from an understanding and knowledge that God gives you so they'll know Jesus. Do you know what I mean? The teacher is really supposed to help you experience Jesus. The apostle is supposed to be the one that calls you out of a certain place. The prophet is the one that is called to direct your steps. That means a true prophet is not there to give you your fortune telling. He's supposed to confirm what you've already gotten from the third heaven. See, we have all this job messed up. And that's why God hasn't found a pure church yet. Because these five gifts of Jesus are not working in purity. We're not even fully pure here yet to go out and bring the true Jesus, the truth and the spirit together. So when you meet the true Jesus, this is how you know you met the true Jesus. What is the sign that you met the true Jesus? And that is Zechariah 2.13. It says, be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. The word says, be silent. Number one, I'm going to tell you, when I came in here, I used to sweat at first. (laughs) My stomach used to get upset. And I would feel trembling in my body sometimes until I got the infilling of the spirit and then the truth. Now the enemy flees. I don't tremble anymore because the trembling is what? Fleeing. So when you get up here and you tremble, that means because demonic activity still has hold of you. But when you get the word that when you get the truth that dismantles him, he's got to what? Flee. Oh my God, I used to be so scared to come here. I'd be shaken to death. But now that enemy has what? Lead and it can't come back unless I invite him back. But he says, Be silent because now, once you've met the son, the father is aroused from his holy habitation. (laughs) He was like, All right, you met my real son. All right, start getting what? Prepared because he's going to bring his presence down. And in his presence, then the believer receives their miracles. The believer receives the gifts of the Father. 
So what are the gifts of the father? What do we get when the father is aroused that we met? This is what comes forth. Gifts of the father. When we arouse the holy habitation of the father. We all know what it feels like. You feel the presence come down, don't you? Remember, the Holy Spirit moves from within. Jesus comes, and you're either going to feel tremble. You're going to be silenced. You just can't do anything when Jesus walks in the room. But now when the Father's presence comes, that is a peace that surpasses all of the peace. Because when the Father enters in, pure prophecy is going to come. The second thing that happens, true ministry takes place. The next thing that happened, a word from teaching can be spoken. If I teach out of the presence of the Father, I don't ever have to lay hands. The word will lay hands on the people. Exhortation, giving. Why do we say when the presence hits the room, we don't care about how much money you give. Do it in the presence of God, not out of the spirit, not out of the truth. You give in the presence. Then when you leave here, you leave with the presence and you just want to hug and kiss everybody. And then the next thing that gets established is leadership. In the presence, what you're called to do will come forth. In the presence, that means you could have done something so wrong and you come into his presence because why? You worshiped him in spirit. You received, you sanctified yourself with Jesus. You repented, you received him. And now the father lands on you and you receive the mercy of God. These gifts are, they sound very basic, prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. But do you know if they're not done through the Father, they're not real. They're false. Haven't you had everybody give you mercy and then they treat you bad the next day? Then that, there are people who give you mercy to trap you. Like, here, let me do you a favor. And then tomorrow you better do this for me. That wasn't mercy of the Father. You know mercy of the Father when it hits. These are God's foundational gifts. We all have these, the Jesus ones, we all don't have the Jesus gifts, but we will all be sanctified by them. Do you get it? Not everybody's going to be sanctified in the five gifts, but they'll all be processed through them. To get from the holy place into the holy holies, there were five curtains, all measured the same. And the Lord showed me the five per curtains represented his son, the fivefold ministry. So we can't even get into the Father's presence until we come into an apostolic ministry that has the five curtains. Because he won't, not saying that you can't, if you were locked up in your house your whole life, do you know what I mean? I do believe you're going to experience the Father. But if you want to be matured, set apart to do what you're called to do, you're going to encounter an apostolic fivefold ministry. Do you know what I mean? In your life, you're going to meet the fivefold. You could be watching TV and get a teacher, get an apostle, get it. You can get it now if you had to. But to get it into a place where five people has become one, that's pretty powerful. To come into a place where I know us five, we're giving it all up to experience what God wants to bring in the earth. And so that's what you have to look for. Not that you can't grow, but the magnitude that people can grow here is scary because every gift is manifested here. And so the word tells us when his holy habitation is aroused, Psalm 68, one says, it says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee from before him. Now, I don't know how many of you have been in this ministry. How many people have been in here? You watch them run, leave the door. I've watched them. I'll be teaching. I'll see people get up and leave. 
Okay. That, that means they don't understand what they're feeling and they're receiving condemnation. And it's not from the teaching. It's just the condemnation that's already in them. Do you know what I mean? Because you have to say, Jesus, sanctify me. You have to say, Holy Spirit, humble me so you can receive the truth so the enemy can flee from you. The worst thing that happens that I see is that when one person runs out the door because they don't want to they don't want to come into alignment with Jesus, then their job is to infect the flock and they get everybody to gossip, talk about somebody, bring somebody down. And God says, I hate the most the believer who causes strife and division when God is trying to do something good in that person. That's why we say to people, cut off everybody. Don't get into the gossip. I remember the first time I saw gossip in here, I was walking down that hallway and I heard beep, beep, beep. And I was like, it sounded like a bus doing what? Backing up. And I was like, okay. And I actually started backing up and I heard the Lord said, do not go down there. You were not called to that. And I was like, what's going on? Right. And I knew not to go down there. And there was like all this talk going on down there. I backed up. I went to my office. One of the people came to my office. They started. And I just looked at them. I said, that is gossip. I am not going to talk about that. And I shut it down. This ministry closed. And all those people that were gossipers left. Jesus will not tolerate the gossiper here. The gossiper can't even walk into this door. They'll go gossip in their, ho their house. They'll call people to their house. You can do that outside this door. You cannot do that in this building because we've committed not, we recognize none of us are perfect. So we're not here to talk bad about each other. We're here to be like Jesus and help process people. You get what I'm saying? But when you get drawn in an area that you're not strong enough, you find yourself getting what? Caught up in gossip. So this is where you have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent, forgive me. Jesus, I, don't, I didn't really understand what's going on here. I'm supposed to feel the fire. I'm supposed to feel your consuming love. I'm supposed to be changed. I'm a gossiper. Help me. Because God has to make us and break us to be transparent and loving. Hey, if you have a bad day, great. Come and have a bad day with me. If you want to tell somebody, come tell me off. Because I'm not going to hold it against you. You know what I mean? Because that's Jesus. Jesus would never do that because he's got to sanctify us. And the only way we can get rid of a spot is it's got to what? Manifest. We got to see people tremble. We got to see them feel like they're sick. We got to see them feel angry and they have to tell us off. Tell us off. Come on, you'll feel better. You know what I mean? You'll feel better. But the people who put us on pedestals and then they go outside these doors, they're blocking themselves from experiencing the Father because the Father won't come in a place that Jesus hasn't sanctified. Isn't that powerful? That means true prophecy, true ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. You better be testing when that's happening outside those doors. Because Satan's job is to get you to believe a lie, handshake with it, and then to reap from that, which is distance from Jesus. Come on, we have so many people that have left here, and they're afraid to come back. There have been people that they want to come back, but they don't know how to come back because it's going to have to cost them real repentance, but not repentance to hurt them. Just a change of your, your thinking to encounter Jesus. Because we are the wooden vessel, the building. We are the foundation of the earth that starts the house building to the heavens. Understanding why we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Understanding what Jesus' job and purpose is to do. And then understanding the more we go through this process, that means the more mature we get, it gets easier to go right up to the third heaven.
Why? Because the distance between heaven and earth to me has gotten very short and very wide. But what I'm saying is, you know, if it is, it doesn't take you any time. I don't need to break out in certain gifts to get to the third heaven. But it took me a long time to get there. Like words cannot even tell you. I mean, I would be worshiping and praising and everything. I wasn't getting anywhere. And I remember the first night, it was like a force sucked me up through a straw that was so tight. And then I heard the angel singing. So that's the first thing he gave me was the, the words, the voices of heaven. And then I fell off my bed because I was in such shock. <laughs> like I couldn't even handle the singing in heaven. My physical flesh could not receive, but God gave me a what? Taste. And it made me pursue him so much that I broke through such dark realms. Like I'm telling you, now I know I will never invite that enemy back in. I would never live with a man unmarried. I would never do certain things now. I would never tell a lie now, even if I feel like I want to tell a lie. The conviction is so great. You know how sometimes you just want to tell a white lie? Because I don't want to, I don't want to shrink in my straw. Like it's more valuable to me to keep what I've already had. Because even he said in Revelations, be careful. You can lose what you've been given if you invite the enemy back in. So there's things that we already do that God doesn't hold us back to a measure of him. But then every year he says, now there's something new for you. And I'm working on this. If you do this, I'm going to bring you into a thicker straw, faster move. So like jealousy, God showed me I had jealousy. And I'm thinking of what natural jealousy is. I'm not like that at all. But he had to reveal to me that it was jealousy I had for my sisters and brothers. It wasn't that I was jealous of what people had. I didn't have jealousy envy. I had jealousy of gifting. And so he said to me, for you to go to the next level, you got to break the jealousy with your siblings because it could affect your siblings. And so he made me go back and ask for forgiveness to all my siblings. And when I received it in spots, you heard me tell the testimony, I was broken. But that breaking now because I was willing and obedient to Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit, we have to surrender to the Spirit. But you have to be obedient to Jesus. You can't be obedient to the Spirit. You just have to surrender to the Spirit. You have to be obedient to Jesus. And then Father gives you the what? The increase. He's going to give you the increase of whatever you need. It says, and this he said of Judah, the praiser. Judah means praise. Hear, Lord, the voice of praise and bring him to his people. Let the hands be sufficient for him. And may you be a help against his what? Man, when the presence comes, you don't have to do anything with your enemies because he's going to do it for you. You don't have to do anything with your debt because he's going to do it for you. You do not have to do anything with your sickness because he's going to do it for you. You do not now have to do anything because he's going to do it for you. It's a guaranteed 100%. When people said, I've prayed to God, I've prayed to God, I'm still sick. That's because you didn't know how to go through the process. Jesus said that he wants to heal everybody. He is always willing. Are we willing to go through the process? Are we willing to go through the point where Father's hands heal you, the Father delivers you, the Father changes you. You get what I'm saying? Because now he gives you the gifts that are going to help that at that moment. In that moment, God could tell you, when God tells you to do something and you know you know it's him, there is no force that can stop it. 
But whatever action you do, it cuts the enemy. It cuts the enemy. So we have even no idea. I believe that anything that happens to me, God is going to heal me. And let me tell you, the enemy has tried to challenge that because the Lord told me I didn't need to get insurance, right? I didn't need to get health insurance. He said, I am your insurance. So I, I never had health insurance until it was enforced to have health insurance. And I broke my ankle. And when I broke my ankle, it was so funny. I got $16,000 out of the blue a month before I broke my ankle. The Lord showed me something was going to happen. My right ankle was bleeding. And what was so amazing is the moment the ambulance took me in to the hospital, the first thing they said is, do you have insurance? And I just looked at him. And then the nurse says, she doesn't have insurance. I didn't even say anything. And I said, Jesus is my insurance. So they said, fill out the papers. I wrote Jesus on all the lines, right? Well, because I didn't have insurance. When the bill came, it should have been $33,000, but it was only $16,000 because it just went directly to the hospital. It didn't have to go through. You know what I mean? But what I was saying is God was my insurance because somehow he knew this was going to happen to me. He showed me something was going to happen to my ankle. I didn't know what, I really didn't think anything was going to happen to my ankle, but he showed me my ankle wouldn't stop bleeding. When I came out of the surgery, I saw my ankle bleeding. I heard the words of the Lord. I showed you this before it happened. God wants to speak to us that clearly, but you really have to be sanctified through Jesus to hear him that clearly. So I don't need to get prophecy from another man because the father will bring to my remembrance what he wants me to know. So I wasn't saying Jesus is my insurance out of just saying it. I wasn't being sarcastic. It was like he was really leading me in this process and showing me, Lee, I always have angels to protect you. What you believe protection to be is not what I see it to be. See, people like Job, when Job got sick, his friends went to tell him, what did you do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. And God says, I bring sickness not onto you to hurt you. It's all for his glory. And so we have this so messed up. We want to think like the world thinks, don't we? We want to think, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. Now, all I have to do is listen to the spirit. If I get a phone and they say, do you want to buy the insurance? I'm not going to be sarcastic and say, no, I'm going to go like this. Holy Spirit, I'm surrendered to you. You want me to get the insurance? And I'm either going to hear a yes or a no. Whatever you hear, go with it. And see, that's why we have to look at it. God, what he puts us through, we can't be, we got to be able not to be looking at other people. That's why we can't have gossip because gossip means you believe something else to be wrong that God is trying to show you is right. And the Satan gets you to gossip. So you'll speak against the good, which the good is the truth. The good is the spirit. Do you get what I'm saying? And see, if we don't have the truth, the enemy comes and uses the spirit for a lie. And then we get confused. Aren't we confused in the church? Is that, well, they do this, they do this, they do this, but where is the truth? We haven't really met the truth in the fullness of the church. The last verse, I just want to read these really quick. I'm just going to read them out loud. Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means the father, if you will sanctify yourself unto him, he will protect you. He does that in this ministry all the time. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I'm just trying to get you to me. 
If we stay in the spirit and we never meet the truth, we never get to God. It said Exodus 14, 13 says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. So that means your salvation for today could be the spirit. Your salvation for today could be to be sanctified by Jesus. Whatever you're going to get for the day, you've got to praise and worship him. And he says, I'm going to give you salvation is what you need for the day. That's from God. So salvation's every day. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. I want everybody to say that the Lord will fight for me. And you shall hold your peace. That means you stop talking. Let the Lord start talking. We don't cancel out our faith, but we cancel out the movement by words. So I could be talking really great, and I really talk great about a person's marriage, a person's marriage. But if I turn around and say something bad about the husband, I just canceled out, and I invited a dark spirit to attack that man. And see, that's why we have to be really careful about our words and only align our words with what the word says. And we get tested. We do get tested. And we fail. How many of us failed? But we have to remember, he says, my presence. After you get processed and you start living in the presence of the Father, and this is Exodus 33, 14. He said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I have experienced this so much. I mean, I get so excited that I have experienced this that I can't wait till the next time I experience it. Does that make sense? Just because I experienced it today doesn't mean I still don't have to experience it tomorrow and the next day. So we have to persistently continue worshiping him so we can get into his presence if we know the order now and we know why are the gifts of the holy spirit in place to help us get into the truth why did jesus bring the truth to help us get into the presence but once we get into the presence now we can maintain it without the five i don't need to go back to the fivefold ministry you have aroused all three of them to rest in you and now you've become the Tower of Babel connected to the heaven. And guess what? We understand each other at all times. We may not have the same assignment, but I'll understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. But you're going to do it the way God has told you to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? It's just such a, it erases any prejudice, any racist, any culture, anything, because that is our culture. Our culture is to live in the third heaven. Our culture is to reach all different people. And guess what? I can't reach or the people Beverly's going to reach or Kim's going to reach because he's got my, he's got each of us. But if we each know how to get into his presence, then we can know how to trust one another. This is what's so silly is we get so into protocol. When we follow a protocol that's in heaven, if you notice, you notice how we work up here. I never override Gene unless the Holy Spirit tells me to. I never override any and if i'm not feeling like i got the presence then i'm not even trying to minister because i'd be ministering out of the spirit we have to walk in the presence because we have to minister out of the presence we can't just minister out of the gifts of the holy spirit but you know what's happening the holy spirit is to break us the gifts are to break us and those gifts are used for others but not until the presence comes 